You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to the Pullbox Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Findlay. I am your other host, Michael Cohen. This is episode number 31, and we are going to be talking about a very different type of graphic novel. It's called Here by Richard McGuire. And um, yeah, it's a... Uh, Let's see if I can try to explain. It's, if let's just imagine someone set up a camera in one spot at the beginning of time, and it just recorded history and never moved. This that this book is what it recorded, mm-hmm. and um, it the majority of the book focuses on on um, on one room, a living room in a house that kind of survived um, several decades. And it shows the inhabitants coming and going. Yeah. Um, the thing about that makes this book unique, if that's not unique enough already, is that uh, it's not in chronological order. So each yeah. page is a different time, or in fact, there might be a couple of different times in a page. Uh, so it uh, it's it's a it's th- there's not really a narrative per se, but there is sort of an overall kind of story to be told. Yeah, and it's it's more. It's more thematic than it is narrative. So there are, I think, as, as opposed to, I would say the, the average comic is prose, right? Yep. Like it's, it's, a, it's a straightforward, um, sequential story. And it might not all be in, in chronological sequence, but it it's at least in some sort of a sequence that makes logical sense. Right. If that's the case for a normal comic, here is poetic. It it plays with the idea of time and it plays with the color and it plays with the fact that it's sequential art to yeah. to bend the rules of of how to tell a, a story. So like with most poetry, uh you don't necessarily get a beginning, middle, and end type story, you, you end up with something that's much more thematic and that's much yeah. more all-encompassing. Right, dealing with um, maybe symbols and themes that you have to interpret yourself. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot of that in here, too. Um, yeah, po- poetry, I think, is a good way to describe it. Um, a little bit of backstory on this book. Um, Richard McGuire did a short version of this back in the 80s. Okay. Uh, I think it was only like six or eight pages or something like that. Um, and it appeared in Art Spiegelman's underground comic magazine called Raw. Okay. Um, and it was uh, it was a big hit when it came out. And it, it was black and white. It followed the same sort of um, time jumping and panels in panels, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then, but now, this just came out uh, last year. He's expanded it to be... I don't even, there's no page numbers on here, but there's got to be probably about 200 pages. Yeah. Um, and and uh, really, really expands on it. Like he, he jumps all over the place and has a whole bunch of different ideas that he, yeah. he's trying to convey in here. 
um, some of the neat stuff is that um, that yeah, it's it really is. There are scenes from the dawn of time. Yeah. Um, all the way to something like three million years in the future. Yeah. And you can piece together at cer- a certain point in history, like the world is is um, flooded and it has to start over again. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like a time machine, uh, like HGOL's the time machine element. Um, right. Where I, let's see, in the year 22175, there are animals that, don't don't exist yeah like that don't make sense to us because they don't exist but like they're they're logical but but they're not like they're they're the evolution of something that exists now yeah which is something that hg wells i think he was one of the first people to do it in the time machine where i most people have only ever seen movies of the time machine and most of the movies tend to end somewhere in like that the morlock era where human beings have become there's the Eli, Eli or something like I can't I can never remember what the there's like a weak fairer version of human beings which yeah. is like the rich ruling class and then there's the Morlocks who are like the underground working class right and the Morlocks eat the other ones the Eloi <laughs> Eloi I think it's Eloi um, most most time machine stories stop there like like most of the movies stop there um, the the book itself actually um, after he sort of witnesses that he goes back and he can't live in in regular time and so he just gets on the time machine and just goes <laughs> and he just like goes forward and uh, and he basically makes it to a point in time where like the sun is a red dwarf and it started uh enveloping the other planets right. and it's like it's huge in the sky and and the planet is basically red and there are just these giant crab creatures they walk the earth that are like like as far as he can tell like the only life form that's there right. and and the earth is just like a barren wasteland and there's just these crabs and then like lichen that they eat and stuff like that um i could be i could be misquoting or mis misrepresenting some of that cuz it's been a long time since i read it but he ends up painting this really weird picture of what the earth looks like af- basically after we're long gone right. and this book does the same thing where like it goes to about 300 years in the future and 300 years in the future the land that this house sits on is underwater yeah because we've destroyed the planet right and like right. in 300 years the 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 ice caps will have completely melted and and everything will be uh, underwater um is it that far that let me see because well, there's two points, yeah. I uh, because it, there's also twenty two thirteen. It, it's basically like it's like a museum, like they've they've set up like a weird holographic museum over time. Like I I was reading it. I read this whole book on one train ride. Yeah. So uh, I just moved recently, and my commute is now a good like fifteen to twenty minutes longer than it was before. Right. I wouldn't have been able to read it on my old commute. Okay. But on my new commute, it it. I read the whole perfect, thing. Yeah. <laughs> I read the whole thing from cover to cover. And like well, you there said, isn't it's much dialogue. It's, no. Yeah. And like each page is like, like some of them you just like, you almost literally flip past them. Right. Because there's just like in, in this one, there's just on one side, there's a person taking out the, the floral wallpaper uh, in the year 1960. On the other side, there's a panel of the guy 
putting up wallpaper over top of previous wallpaper and in the middle in 1949 and in the middle there's a woman talking to herself while she vacuums and it's like in 1986 and it really doesn't take long to sort of take that in um and understand what's going like like the commentary of what's going on in that in that picture well and i i I love the way um like you can flip yeah you can flip through them fast yeah um but yeah if you if you slow down and think like you were saying to understand the commentary of what's going on in each picture like why did he pair that woman vacuuming and talking to herself with the two guys um putting up the wallpaper what's the meaning of that well she's a she's a she's a narrative thread for these like for a few pages eight pages there. or something like that where she's uh, the more I clean the more it gets dirty and then she goes the older I get the less I know and then I think the page after this she, yeah she's on the the floor and she's saying eventually I'll know nothing there's a uh, I would say the key theme in this is mortality right and it's uh, the it, like mortality versus time right so as human beings we live you know at, at in our for our generation we're gonna live to be probably eighty right yeah maybe a hundred average yeah maybe a hundred if we're healthy right um uh, barring you know crazy scientific advance advancements in the next thirty years that's probably what we're looking at is like eighties to nineties maybe a hundred and more of our generation will live to be a hundred than our parents generation who will probably hit eighty and and. 90 it will be hopeful yeah right right. um and then there will be the rare outliers like there always is in every generation that makes it to 100 yeah but um in those 80 years how what do we affect right and and like this woman is saying you know the older i get the less i know eventually i'll know nothing it's it's this and she's cleaning while she's doing it and and in that light when she says eventually i'll know nothing one of the panels is a is in fourteen thirty, and it's a wolf with a deer's leg in its mouth and it's like <laughs> she's cleaning a spot where once a wolf presumably like took down a deer yeah and like tore its carcass up and, and it's just like yeah. it's the futility of it right and of that's, like, the, that's the main thing. and eventually yeah. it'll be underwater yeah, and yeah, eventually, exactly. <laughs> eventually there will be animals that we can't even describe. And because, no human beings. Yeah, no. like, yeah. Um, so I think, like, that's really, like, that's kind of the, the key. Well, I love her little speech here, here because she, it's, um, I think it's a reference to dementia. Yeah. Like your mind going at an old, oh, as you get older and older. And then, yeah. yeah, compare that to what are you doing with your life if eventually you will end up just know, not knowing anything. She's spending her time... Yeah. cleaning her house uh is that really the most worthwhile thing she could be doing with her life or something like that right it's, yeah and yeah you're right it's the it's the play between um mortality versus time because uh, we see several different families yeah um exist through this house yeah um and they all have they all show instances in um a lot of mundane kind of everyday um things that go on but also there's one guy that fell backwards in his chair and um and had an injury and there's another guy that fell off of a ladder and, yeah um at one point there's a funeral taking place right in that room in that living room for yeah. sure and even um um bef- we get a glimpse of life before this house existed and, yeah. and we could see the house behind it because this yeah. house doesn't exist 
and uh, and get a little bit of their story and what happened over there at that house. And uh, that was during the Revolutionary War. It's Ben Franklin's house. It, oh, is it Ben Franklin's? It's I ben didn't Fra- pick that up. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 the man living in it, cause at one point there's a man, this here, here it is right here on this page, um, where, uh, he's, he's saying that he's nervous about his son and his father coming to visit, uh-huh. um, because, and they're going to have arguments about politics is because Ben Franklin, obviously like, like one of the revolutionaries that built America right? and, uh, and his father being someone from London, like from, from England <laughs> okay. who, who's like a, a supporter of the crown. So they end up on opposite sides of the war. Oh, isn't that right? interesting? I didn't so, yeah, pick that up. There's a, there's another thread in here that, that points that out that it is Ben Franklin's house because, um, Oh yeah. So they, they people say come it, to the door. Yeah, yeah. There's the the historical society. Like they they come and they're talking about it, and they're also talking about like the Native Americans. Like there might be Native American burial sites uh, or whatever, and and like we do see that it's one of these interesting things. There's one panel where there's a kid in the middle of the living room with a with a play teepee, yeah, and he's wearing a headdress. Uh, in the middle of the living room. Like and kids would have in the 50s. Yeah, like yeah. kids would have in the 50s playing cowboys and Indians. And then there's another panel uh, later on, or there are several plan- panels. There's a whole there's a whole story, a narrative thread later on of this uh, uh, native First Nation or uh, Native American, because they're in America. Yeah. Uh, man and woman, and they're like they're in the forest. That, right. That's like right next to where this kid, a hundred hundreds of years later, playing Indians is in playing his Indians room. in his living room. <laughs> like it's nineteen fifty three versus sixteen oh nine. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um. And and it's it's this it's this weird. There's all these weird juxtapositions, and there's these these interesting, interesting moments. Um, oh, stop! Sorry, right here. You just yeah. turned, you just turned to the page with um the the girl being attacked by. Um, a bird flying in her living room, yeah. and this page I really liked because it's they broke up the page with several panels like they yeah. do every other page, but it just happened that they all of these moments happen to be seconds apart rather than years or rather than apart. years apart. Yeah, he he sets up it's it's so interesting because he sets it up in such a clear fashion at the beginning with like whole pages. Yeah. Versus each other, and then he slowly starts to bring in the 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 idea of the panels. Right. And then he slowly starts to show you like, and here's three moments in time. Yeah. And here's four moments. And then in the moments time. get bigger and bigger. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then they get huge. These huge gulfs of time where it's like you say, like you know, millions of years. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then plays with his own art form here within the book itself by going like, here's here's literally like five minutes. Yeah. Right. And. <laughs> Like it, like it, and it starts a couple of pages earlier with her. You know that bird is driving me crazy, and then she opens the window to yell at the bird, and the bird flies in and attacks her. Yeah. Right, and it's it's um, it's just so it's it, it is a it is an infinitely interesting book to read. Um, and once you've read it, then you I feel like you don't need to sit down and read it again. You can just flip through it and sort of experience these different. These right. different moments in time. This is another one of my favorite parts where this woman's setting up uh, in 1973, she's setting up a, a projector 
for a slide projector. Um, so to show some home to movies. show to yeah to show or yeah like a not a slide projector like a an film actual projector. film projector to show some home movies and on the page right before it we actually see this little boy with a with his little red drum and then you flip the page and it's that boy in the movie right. in the home movie and it's yeah, like yeah. It, it's it's there it goes from 1959 to 1973. And so you're looking at it and you're like, they're years apart, but it's, I don't know, it's, it's very, it's a very evocative, right? Like it, it really makes you feel what a lot of these characters are feeling yeah. and thinking. Um, yeah. The other interesting thing he did is the way he set it up, um, the shot of the room itself yeah. is that the gutter of the book is the far corner of yeah. the room. <clears throat> so yeah. he really includes the way that this book is printed in a physical form yeah. as part of the room. And he can now divide his uh, the room up into two into two things because now you have two pages. Yeah, it's perfectly cut in half by yeah. the by the 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 margin of the book. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I and and on top of it, the art style itself is is beautiful, right? There's, yeah, there's, uh, there's a couple of different mediums here that he uses. Yeah, stark lines and sort of uh, a bit more of like a painterly fashion. Yeah, and some of it's pencil with, crayon and some yeah, of it's watercolor. watercolor yeah, and it just kind of goes. Some back of it's and computers. Forth. Um, yeah, it's 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 really interesting. And the way he uses color as well yeah. to color to represent the different decades, so yeah. that um, it's easily identifiable in in the different panels. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a and and the different the different style and one of the things that I love is that as much as this house changes, no one ever changes the fireplace. So the right. fireplace is this when when it is a building, the fireplace is this one constant. Yeah, that it's just it's it's been there since it was built and it'll always be there. Sort and of that's, thing. Yeah, and that's probably the, I mean the house that I live in currently I haven't yeah. done anything to the the fireplace like yeah it's still the same as it was built and same with my parents fireplace yeah yeah that that's that true and you it, know it anchors you to yeah to the room yeah exactly exactly it's this it's a focal point and it it allow it sort of it places everything else um physically in the room right even even though the room the dimensions of the room never change yeah but um it does it gives you this really clear focal point of like that's everything's kind of built around that hearth right yeah. um and I was reading but the through the hearth it. is never the feature. No. Um, like there's, they, they never put anything, I, I don't think there's anything on it or like not, drawing not particularly. attention to it. Like sometimes there's paintings above it. Sometimes there's little things. A mirror above, above it or yeah, something. But, but it's, it's never um, yeah. part of the story. It's yeah. just there. Um, and I, I, you get about, I don't know, what would you say that is? That's probably about like five sixths of the way through the book. Yeah. And, and as I'm going through it, because I'm me and anybody who's listened to our Xenozoic episode will understand this <laughs> i i'm going through it and it's like throughout time throughout time like okay cool native americans colonial time uh modern the future this is all really exciting and everything but if he goes all the way through this book and there's not a single dinosaur i'm gonna be pissed <laughs> and you get to it and yes there's one tyrannosaurus rex and he's walking <laughs> he's facing away and his head is cut off and and that's such but, an interesting framing that you yeah. can't even see the head of the Tyrannosaurus. Yeah. And what's the guy saying in, in 2005 on this same page? Uh, so he'll have to camp out in the living room. He can sleep on the sofa bed. And it's, <laughs> that's in reference to the to their father who, who's been in the hospital. And he's not going to uh. be able to do, do stairs. Um, so again, like, it's, it's, 
it's perspective, it's mortality, yeah. right? It's like they're they're worried about their dad. And on the ground that he's going to camp out in the living room on the sofa, <laughs> like that terminology of camp out, it's like, what is it, camping out? Yeah. There's nothing to camp out. He's if, in the middle. Yeah. But if you were that, to camp out in 80,000 BC. Yeah, 80 million. It was, sorry, 80 B, million BCE. BC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's the ground where a Tyrannosaurus <laughs> once roamed, yeah, right? Yeah. And I think that a lot of us have a hard time understanding that perspective. Totally. Right? Um, I mean, like there's a, there's a fight that goes down in this living room between two guys in like the, I think it's in like the, in the thirties in like the thirties or something. They have like canes and stuff. Um, yeah, like, like everything you can imagine happening eventually happens in this room at some point or another or on this land or on this land. Oh, and then there's pages like, um, you've just turned to one where everyone's just walking Yeah, and it. It, uh, just showing that people are doing the same thing every in yeah. every generation. That it's yeah. It's sort of the land. more the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? Yeah. Like it's it, the as much as we like to think we've changed in a few thousand years, not really. Yeah, we're all just still walking. Not really. Around. And there's yeah. yeah, there's one page with um a girl playing a piano. Yeah. And then there's three panels of other girls dancing yeah. in that living room yeah. as if they're all dancing together to this girl playing, but they're separated yeah. by generations, yeah. but they're all together yeah. in this page. It's, um, and I think we'll go back to, to that early description and saying that it's, that it's poetic. It really is because, um, it's the sort of thing. And this is one of the things that we, we both, I think love about comics and uh, you know, when you're being pretentious about it and you call it sequential art, uh, is that it it really has this ability to um to tell stories in a way that I don't think any other medium manages to tell those stories. Yeah. Uh, I think that you could make a movie that would be very similar to this, but I think that you would lose interest in it very quickly. Um, it would be one right. of those things where if it was more than 10 minutes long, it would be like, yeah, we get it. Well, the difference between that is a yeah. movie goes at the pace that the director chooses. Exactly. You don't get a choice. Yeah. But in this book, you can go through it however fast, however slow. You can flip back and forth to whatever to, to yeah. reference things. You can take it at the speed you want. Therefore it is your experience. Yeah. And that's what holds your interest. Yeah. And and it and it and and you put you put so much of yourself into it. It's no different than a book, right? Yeah. Um when people are reading novels and and you know you compare the novelization to the to the movie and you go well the movie it's not it's not what i it's not what i had in my head right yeah. that's not what i thought katniss looked like and it's like <laughs> well what you thought she looked like and what i thought she looked like is all different so what difference does it make she looks slightly different in the movie yeah. we're all coming at it from a different perspective um, and comics are one of those mediums where although it's very visual um and depending on the, the artist, you know, characters might be more or less expressive. Their character might be more or less concrete. But at the end of the day, we're filling in the gaps. We're the ones animating the character. We're yeah. the ones putting a voice to that character. Um, and, and Yeah, well, and giving inflection to the character. Because that's yeah. one thing about prose novels um, versus comics is that with a prose novel, you get the description of how someone is saying something. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like, you know, so... Um, I'm going out to the store, said so-and-so in a disgruntled voice or, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Whereas if you just got a panel, 
with a, a person saying, I'm going to the store, now you have to interpret how that person is saying it. Yeah. So there's a, there's a different use of your imagination. Yeah, so I think with a, with a story like this, um, you're going to put a, self, a lot of yourself into it uh, in order to in order to really enjoy it. Yeah. And, uh, and I like, like I said at the beginning of this episode, I just moved. So one of the things that this book is framed with is the, the, the first page uh, and the last page are both, uh, well, I mean the, the inside covers, the end papers, the end papers are, are the empty room with the light turned off. Totally. Um, but like the first page and the last page are, are basically like moving into this house. Yeah. Right. Um, like one move. So you got to get the sense that, that like, cause there's nothing in the room in the first page. It's just a couch. Yeah. So you get the sense that like, maybe this was the house when it was being sold. And then the last page is a bookshelf and one box. So they're either moving in or they're moving out. Right. right like yeah. there's sort of a, a sense of, of a beginning and an end or an end and a beginning. And it's sort of, you put that on your, you, you interpret that however you interpret it yourself. Right. Right? Well, and he doesn't put dates. Um, he only puts years. So, yeah. that yeah, we don't know if it was somebody moving in or out because yeah. we don't know when in 2014 yeah. it actually happened. The other really cool thing is the cover and the front cover and the back cover are actually the exterior of the house. Yeah. So, like, the front cover, because on the right side is a window. Right. And uh, uh, it's always there if the building's there. And on the front cover is the outside of that yeah. window. Looking you can see in. the curtain on the inside. Yeah, and the and the back is the brick is wall. The chimney. The, that chimney, the chimney is of on. The oh yeah, that's the chimney, and then the and then the back wall of the house. Yeah. So yeah, like the, it's just this this book is conceptual. Yeah. It's not. It's not uh, the other two comics we're gonna read this month are very <laughs> much comic books. They yeah. are like silly i uh, you know your mom yelling at you from the other room stop reading those comic books and come help me do right. the dishes yeah. like there's they're the comic books that we read as kids and that we get in trouble for and that yeah. people think we're wasting our time with <laughs> this book is like this is a statement yeah. like this is a this is a commentary on humanity and time and and uh, and and places and i uh, uh you know like the meaning that we associate with them like right. this is this is the sort of thing that you hand to high school students that you want to teach a lesson right right you know that you want to be like yes comic books are superheroes but but every art form can be pushed further than what it was intended for totally. right and the sequential the 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 art form of sequential art it started as a way of telling pulp stories for entertainment, but now we've pushed it so far and we've broken outside of those boundaries so much that you have a book like this that is like it's poetry. It's it's it has meaning to it that's deeper than yeah. It's pretty cool to see Sonic the Hedgehog and Mega Man <laughs> in a comic book, right? So right, wow, yeah. Well, and I love pulling out books like this. Yeah. Every once in a while. I wouldn't want to talk about this kind of book every every month. No. But um but it's good to to see these kind of things as well. I and I love experiencing them. Yeah. Um there's a there's a digital <laughs> version of this too. You can buy it okay. digitally and in that version um I haven't experienced this myself. I've only read about this, so I don't know exactly how it works, but you can click on the different panels okay. and it takes you it, it and then it balloons out to the full room 
of that cool. of that panel, and it takes you to more of that story uh, in that year or whatever that kind of thing. Okay, so it's so it's, it's more, more like interactive, interactive in that sense. That's really interesting because one of one of his it's only in two panels. Uh, there are people, and they're in the future, and they're sitting on weird. I think they're like weird ball seats. Something it would take me too long to flip through all the pages to find it. Right. But they're sitting on weird seats and they have a weird table in front of them and all of these like floating glass. It looks like floating glass panes in front of them. Right. And uh, and and at one point, like like the guys like try it and and this guy pops his head through the pane and his face changes on the other side of the pane. Like is it like like he's experiencing the room from somebody else's perspective. Yeah. And like that's kind of, it's funny because he has those concepts in the book and then clearly plays with that in his own digital version yeah. of the book. Um yeah, the the yeah, the artist uh, Richard McGuire, he's he's very, he's a very conceptual. It takes person. a different kind of mind to put something like yeah, this together. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not what we do. No, with comics, <laughs> we're a little more traditional. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no nothing wrong with it. But it, like you say, it takes a certain kind of mind. It does. I yeah. I would yeah. never think of this, right? No. Like if I think of sitting down to do, to write a comic or to draw a comic uh, or do both, I. I think in a very straightforward fashion of like mm-hmm. you know. Like well, and even even thinking about this, like he started doing, he started with this being an eight page comic or something yeah. like that. So this concept, I can imagine maybe coming up with that idea, yeah, eight pages worth. But then to expand that to two hundred yeah. pages and Push all of all of the different yeah. angles and different viewpoints and different areas that he touches. Yeah. Now that he's expanded it, is just uh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, highly recommend it to basically everybody who listens to this because it is an hour of your life, yep. right? And if you don't like it, then it, it was only an hour. But if you enjoy it like we did, then that hour is sort of infinite, right? Yeah. It's, it's so well, funny because it's kind yeah. of the point of the book, Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, well, it keeps you thinking. And yeah. if you don't didn't enjoy it, then pass it along to somebody else because... Um, you'll find it'll end up with somebody that will yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. It's a good coffee table book. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, I think, I think that that does it for here. Yes. Here uh, is done. <laughs> Let's, cool. uh, what are we talking about next month? Uh, next month we are doing a, uh, it's another one of our conceptual episodes or months, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. I, I, we are going to be celebrating, the 10th anniversary of First Second, one of our favorite publishers yep. around here, uh, by doing a month of all First Second books. So I will be reading... Well, I, I've chosen uh, uh, Delilah Dirk and the King Shilling, which is the second volume of Delilah Dirk, which yep. we talked about the first volume last year with uh, along with Tony Cliff. The, oh, well, we, we reviewed it and then yeah. he came by... So and talked to him about it, and uh, and and he joined us for a full episode. But uh, it's cool. He talked about the process of making the King Shilling on our podcast. Yeah. And now it's come time. It comes out uh, in March. So so we're gonna grab that. And we're yeah. gonna read that in March. Totally. Um, and I've chosen um, Fall of the House of West. And in a previous episode, we talked about Battling Boy. So it's kind of yeah. like we're revisiting these yeah. old books. So um, it's there's been a it's it's kind of odd that Battling Boy itself hasn't 
continued, but there's been two yeah. spin-off books now, both focusing on Aurora West. So we're going to talk about both of the books, um, but I'm saying we're reading Fall of the House of West because yeah. because we got I got to pick one. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about both of the Aurora West books from First Second. Yeah, uh, from, for sure. From the mind of Paul Pope. Yeah, cool. And our, our reader poll yeah. is, uh, so we decided that we wanted to ask first, second themselves, what should we, what should we read? What do you recommend that we read? So yeah. they are, um, they've chosen, um, oh, how come I can't remember the title now? <laughs> the Nameless City. <laughs> okay. The Nameless City by Faith Aaron Hicks. And, uh, and we don't, I don't know anything about that except it's the first of a trilogy of books. Yeah. And, uh, it comes out early April. So we'll talk about that one at the end of the month. Yeah. And yeah, it'll be a great first, second month. I'm excited for that. Yeah. 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 It's good. It's going to be really cool. I think it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun to, to take a deep dive into their stuff. We're so far, our polls were continuing to series that we've yeah. already explored on the podcast. Um, and and then for the third one, it's a brand new thing that neither of us know about. So yeah. um, I think that'll be a really cool way to do it. And uh, I'm really excited to to read all of these continuations. And, and, and the thing about First Second is that everything that we've read, stuff that we've read on the podcast and stuff that we've read outside of the podcast has all been phenomenal, I think. Yeah. Like, I don't think that they've steered us wrong yet. So, uh, so I'm excited. Yeah. Well, coming up on um, March the 10th, we'll be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy and all-new X-Men, The Trial of Jean Grey. Yes. Um, and then on the 20th, we'll be talking about Sonic the Hedgehog and Mega Man Worlds Collide. So two kind of two crossovers. franchise mashups. Here. I don't even think that we noticed that we did that. No, we didn't. No, that's fine. So there we go. It's almost a theme. If only this third book was, a, <laughs> was the same. It is because it's a. It is literally crossing over through time. Oh yeah. So it is. It's all thematic. It's thematic. that's true. All three of our books talk about time travel. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we will. Um, yeah. Stay, stay tuned, and we will listen. Uh, we'll talk about these books. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to end this. You end it, Mike. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs> there you go. Keep reading comics. For more Pullbox Podcast episodes, you can check out pullboxpodcast.com to submit a reader poll. Uh, you can email thepullboxpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at Twitter and on Instagram at pullboxpodcast. And you can follow me, Curtis, on Instagram at Curtis Bidley. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. You can, you can also find all of our other great podcasts over at thunderquack.com, and uh, that's the home of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, of which we are proudly a part. And, uh, and if you want to help support all of our podcasts at Thunderquack, you can do that by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack, and, uh, and, and you, can, you can pledge your support over there. Every dollar helps, but uh, if you're a Pullbox fan and supporter then you'd definitely be interested in the $20 level, which allows you to get all three episodes of the Pullbox podcast, all three of our books, as one long, super long episode uh, right at the beginning of the month, as opposed to having to wait for the individual episodes to be released. So you can find all that at patreon.com slash thunderquack and all of our other podcasts at thunderquack.com. Thanks for listening.